Chinese threats. They should be careful not to get their eyes poked out. A national rebuke. Leaks and mixed messaging in national put them off us. And stiffed at the supermarket. We're paying up to 30% more than Australians. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Much-Mackay. All right, shall we start off with our peaks and our pits? Jess, highlights for the week. Uh, my highlight this week, uh, I was hosting Q&A because Jack Tame is still in managed isolation. That's not my peak. Um, I, <laughs> poor Jack, that, that's framed the wrong way. But because I was doing that, um, I got to interview our panel this week and um, Fran O'Sullivan was sitting there answering. Um, she had some really great strong answers this week and she was having a go at John Key and saying, you know, maybe some of the MPs, well, not really a go, but she was saying some of the MPs feel like he's coming and overshadowed a bit, and then her phone rings, and it just felt like the perfect moment. Um, we're doing a live panel, it just phone rings, live TV, what are you going to do? And you could only wonder if it was John Key ringing to give her a little bit of a serve. So that was the best moment of all of the interviews uh, throughout the hour, and I very, very much enjoyed that. Yeah, that would have been fun, uh, having the old uh, phone call on yeah. the live television. I haven't seen that in a while. Actually, we did see that during the um, leaders debate um, that you hosted. Actually one unnamed press secretary of the National Party. Um, It actually went off twice during the debate. So um, there you go. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? My peak this week is that um, later this week we will have the state opening of parliament. Um, So all of the pomp and ceremony which we've been talking a bit about uh, in the office this week. Some people love it. Some people loathe it. Um, You can probably Yes, who loves it and loathes it, actually. It probably wouldn't be a really hard sell, I don't think, who's into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's going to be cool on Thursday. We'll also have the speech from the throne from the Prime Minister, Um, but also looking forward to hearing a bit of the um, speeches from the leaders and uh, the Speaker, Trevor Mallard, is currently on Twitter giving live updates um, about uh, those preparations and um, saying that uh, Māori Party co-leader Rawiri Waititi is keen to talk on Thursday, which he is trying to facilitate. So some live updates there um, on the minute, and uh, we're looking forward to it. That's my peak. Right, my peak, and I'll, I think I might wrap in a pit here as well, so it might go a little bit long. Um, a fascinating announcement last week from our um, newly crowned tourism minister, Stuart Nash, who um, decided uh, perhaps off his own back without having received any advice that he wants to ban um, non-self-contained uh, camper vans or, or vans, you know, that like your wicked campers, stuff like that, from um, being in New Zealand. Because he says these, uh, these are the sort of tourists who travel in these th- uh, in these vehicles who are shitting in our rivers. Um, Charming. He had quite, a, quite an interesting press conference uh, last week where he said he hadn't actually received any advice on, on the number of um, tourists who actually shit in our rivers. He uh, guaranteed us he'd never used a bathroom outside. Um, uh, not once in his entire life had he Thank ever, you for ever gone to the toilet outside. Yeah, I'm not sure if I believe him on that one. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, interesting, interesting idea to kind of knock out a part of a tourism um, industry that's struggling um, to survive at the moment. And, you know, he didn't think it would actually stop anyone coming to New Zealand. But I was looking up prices last week, and you can hire one of those camper vans for about $30. 
a day. A day, yeah. One of those vans, non-self-contained, for 30 bucks a day. To get like a camper van, you know, a proper sort of motor home, um, you're looking at hundreds of dollars a day. So it would really change things. Um, also, a lot of people who would use those those vehicles are the kind of people that would um, do, you know, a bit of fruit picking or a bit of a working holiday as well, maybe travel around and sort of work in those industries that really need people to help, you know, um, uh, Get, get the crops in as well. So, yeah, in- interesting announcement there um, by our new tourism minister. Yeah, and he qu- kind of picked a fight, didn't he, um, Stuart Nash, um, because he was having to defend that uh, position for the rest of last week, mm-hmm. um, which I found interesting, his first little hit out on, of the off the blocks for him and picking something that got so much sort of, um, drew up so much contention. Uh, now, it, and, and it actually already is an offence to... Um, you know, uh, use the bathroom outside. Um, you can be fined two hundred bucks for doing it, right? So it's not only really a offence. Maybe just enforce it if you've got a problem. Yeah, with but it. start as you mean to go on with your officials. Says the new minister. That's yeah. good fun for them. Who needs them? Yeah. yeah. Um, my pit uh, this week is that I uh, went to the funeral of Labour Party stalwart and Ngāpuhi leader Rudy Taylor last week. That was really good to get up to the Hokianga for that. Been a contact of mine for many years. So always sort of on the phone with him, um, sharing goss as you do um, and so uh, good to go up there and farewell him um, and he drew in quite uh, a few different sort of MPs and former MPs. You had Shane Ritti up there, the Prime Minister um, visited um, him and, and gave her farewells while he was still in Auckland and we even saw um, former uh, Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters make his first public appearance since the um, election loss um, for New Zealand First and so that was interesting Interesting. Um, he'd never been out and about um, since election night. Really, no one's kind of seen him. He went to ground. Um, and I must say, he did still seem quite reserved, didn't want to talk, didn't really want to make eye contact um, with with me. You know, there was me and um, Edina Smith up there, the only journalist there, uh, when the New Zealand First um contingent rolled up. He was with uh, Shane Jones. He was also with, um, well, former MP Jenny Marcroft was there. Um, Dover Samuels was there as well with him. Um, Yeah, so it was really, really interesting to just watch him and see what sort of mood he was in. And and, and, um, he seemed very quiet. Um, Still a bit dejected. Still still a bit deflated. Mm. Yeah. Pretty big. It's a pretty yeah. big life shift. Um, also, when he went into the marae, um, I was in there, and you know, um, as you do, you give a few words standing in front of the casket. Um, and he said he spoke to to Rudy um, about you know all of the work that Rudy had done for the various communities, and he said that the saying that um, no one is indispensable has always been false. So he said, you know, the saying no one is indispensable, he said that's always been false um, while talking about the efforts that Rudy had done. But I couldn't help but wonder if Winston Peters, if there was a bit of, you know, reflection there for his own career. Interesting. Um, so it was so good. It was interesting just to observe. Yeah. I um, my I didn't have a pitch so much this week, but we all got together for the TV Awards this week and we just haven't done that for a while, have a big group of people together and it was... Um, I, I think for a lot of people reflecting on being lucky enough to have hundreds of people in one space and it is with the um, it's TV so it's not just journalism it's it's with some of the actors and actresses as well but it was really good to get journos together who have all had a pretty 
we're one of the industries, like many others, that have had a really big year because of COVID-19, and it was nice to get together to kind of see everyone face-to-face again. So, was it good yeah, fun? It was nice. It was good fun, yeah. Yeah, um, Tova and I did some present. Tova O'Brien from News Hub did, and I did some presenting um, of some of the awards, um, and, and yeah, it was really good. It was, it was nice to, yeah, have a night out. It was good. Quick, and a quick um, pit from me, actually. I've yeah. got, a, got another one. The, um, I mean, shocking story out of Australia. Um, the Australian SAS basically yeah. did murder um, 40, 39 civilians, basically farmers, um, prisoners, uh, you know, unarmed people minding their own business in Afghanistan. Um, so, yeah, huge um, sort of d- development over there. Massive. Um, and the whistleblower getting so much grief over it as well. It, yeah, yeah, a really big story. Yeah, and you wonder what it means, what it will mean for sort of relations between our, um, at that top end of the defence forces between New Zealand and Australia if anything changes there. Yeah. Um, but also another huge story this week, um, China kind of coming out, um, swinging at the uh, five eyes. Yeah, so this is my favourite kind of story. I love um, foreign affairs and the every in, in foreign affairs, every tiny little word is scrutinised and really thought through. And, you know, whether you say um, ally or friend or buddy, like all of that is very carefully chosen. And then China comes out and says, be careful not to get your eyes poked out. Yeah. And it's just the most <laughs> fabulous use of language. Yeah. So they're making connections, saying, saying the Five Eye countries, um, you know, may we hear your statement, but be careful not to get your eyes poked. Like I just, um, I mean, politics aside, it's just such a fabulous use of language and a very clear, blunt message. And it, it basically came about because the Five Eye countries got together and said, hey, you guys are going too far, too heavy handed in Hong Kong. Yeah. And China slapped back and and had this response and now we're at this standoff and New Zealand is in a unique position here because we obviously have our traditional allies we're part of the five eyes but we also are mates with China and probably more than any of the other five eye countries so we are in this position where we are in the middle and it was really interesting with the new foreign affairs minister Nanaya Mahuta and she said look yes we want to be friends and we're but we're also part of the diplomatic community that when we see something that's not right we have to stand up to for it um and democracy is obviously important to us and 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 that's why they were doing it so it's this really interesting and I use the phrase probably too much but really interesting diplomatic dance that we have to do yet again between our traditional allies and China do you think it's in New Zealand's best interest though to be putting out these Joint statements along with the Five Eyes criticising China. We don't really have a choice because we're part well, you do, of that you cannot, gang. Well, but, we've chosen before not to be parts of those statements. But though, I right? think in situations like that, when you're sticking up for it's it's a it's democratic freedoms. It's it's these elected officials in Hong Kong who they're saying no, you've been sacked, and that's not how democracy works. So I think in that situation, we we couldn't not. Yeah, um, I it, agree. So I just think that. Um, you can choose to if you want to remain neutral on some some other issues, but yeah, when but, it comes but, to democratic in terms of you could have put it out a statement as the New Zealand government, right, as opposed to coming out as part of the fight. But the whole point is that it's powerful because it's collective, don't you think? And because yeah, it's yeah, five yeah. I mean, eye, you know, that's kind of the yeah. What you're weighing up here, though, right? Yeah. Whether it's worthwhile coming out as part of the 
I think we still would have faced the same criticism from China had we put it out on our own. Um, as opposed to with the five eyes, so I think it would have, you know, it would have, they would have come Maybe out tr- trying to poke mm. our eyes yeah. out at mm. the same mm. time as well. Um, but yeah, very interesting first test there for Nanaya Mahuta yeah. in that portfolio, um, and you know, China. I'm not surprised that they're trying to throw their weight around. They're very sensitive when it comes to those democratic issues, though, yeah. and other other countries poking their nose in what they believe is their own business. Um, and you know, I, but I also remember how strong their wording was to New Zealand when we first introduced our border restrictions, um, and how strong the. Um, representative from China here was at that time um, and yet it didn't seem to erode relations well, too much so yeah. I think it's important to hold the line and bit. that's the thing, in a mature relationship you should be able to say hey I don't think that's right, here's my voice and this is what I think and even though we are teeny tiny and compare you know, in comparison to China what are they, they're not going to listen to little old New Zealand but I do think that if you've got that that relationship, you you need to be able to say what you think and say what's important to you, just like they did mm. there. And I, speaking to some experts about it, they they said exactly the point that you're making that if we have that that strength and depth of relationship, then we shouldn't it shouldn't erode things. But it's very public and very out there, and we probably have a bit more to lose, I guess, than. In, in terms of relationship, not in terms of trade and wider implications, but with that. So it's just a really fascinating story. It'll be interesting, too, to see how that relationship between China and the US goes once Biden takes over. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to and, see. And um, good to see Jacinda Ardern. You know, she mentioned a couple of weeks back, keen to, to get on the first flight over there as soon as border restrictions allow. Yeah, which makes us very excited. Just one thing, at one point I wanted to make about Nanaya Mahuta, um, for anyone who noticed or watched the story on Friday, it was just a phone interview with her. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to um, get into the new rhythm of having... Uh, we. She wasn't available to, for us to get a camera. We had a we had a bit of dancing around with getting cameras, and that's one of the things we. It's just an illustration of, of getting um, cameras out to ministers, and you know we got into that rhythm with Winston Peters, where we were able. He was very accessible as things broke, and I think we're just seeing a new minister and. Her well, first where was she in Huntley? She was in Rotorua, Which and is it was just a bit, yeah, it was a bit late, and I won't bore you with the details. And we we tried to make it work on both sides, but I think we're going to have to see. Um, we might have to get a Huntley camera sorted out or um, get people on the road. It's those little things, those behind the scenes things, um, with making television that um, that we can share here that we you don't see in the six o'clock story. Yeah, and in other sort of fascinating um, developments at the weekend, the National Party had its um, AGM in which a um, pretty f- what, forthright um, former Prime Minister, Sir John Key, kind of, um, you know, sort of laid, laid down the law to them, um, told their leaking MPs if they um, couldn't quit leaking, they should quit the party. What did you make of it? I just think he was the person who could come out and say that. Mm. I think um, it was the right choice to bring him in. And on Q&A, we had a discussion about this. And and as Fran O'Sullivan was pointing out that, you know, look, he did come in and he does sort of, uh, you know, obviously naturally get the attention and things like that. But in this time, you need someone like that to come in and say, and, and I thought one of the other interesting messages was, you know, don't, 
say, oh, people will get sick of Jacinda Ardern soon mm. yeah. because he said that's what they said about me for nearly a decade. And mm. that's that's right. That That did happen. And I think that you can't wait for... Labour to make mistakes. You can't wait for for people. Ah, oh, bit sick of her. Let's have another person because that could be two elections away. And, and another sort of interesting line that he took, I thought, was, "Hey, the public don't want to hear you talking about yourselves all the time. They want to hear you talking about them and what you've got to got to offer." And you know, National has kind of ended up in that situation where it, where it's you know, there's so much looking in. Um, you know, who's leaking? Who you know? Who are the latest MPs? You know who are gone. Um, you know how is this re- review going to go into the election Who's failure? The new deputy leader. Yeah, all so of much that. sort of in, mm. inward focus stuff rather than projecting out that alternative um, direction for the country. And I think Judith Collins. You know, she was sitting there on the stage as well. Her and her deputy Shane Letty listening uh, there while John Key was delivering basically that big blowtorch um, to the party, just nice you know, line. sort of burning everything to the ground and, and and giving them some sage advice there. And I think she would have been sitting there loving it mm. because, like Jess said, if anyone could come in and tell that and say that to the party and have them sit up and listen and go, "Yep, all right, I'm going to get on board," then it was John Key. And, and so Judith Collins, as the leader, would have been appreciating and, and relishing the fact that he was able to do that to try and help whip them back into line and into shape. So, yeah, and I, don't, I think don't underestimate um, John Key is still very much a member of the party and, um, you know, there for advice and behind the scenes and things like that. So I think he it's not I'm not. We haven't. It's been so long since we've had a prime minister that hasn't been John Key. Um, you know, nine, nine, or what was it, eight and a bit years that he did. But I think he's still very much in the mix. And I've, we've seen him at previous AGMs as well. And I love to see that that he's still very much active in the party. But as well as sort of getting the membership back on track, I also think it was a smart move because from the public point of view, you know, everybody remembers how much they, you know, were in love with John Key when he was the prime minister, basically, and he was this popular as Jacinda Ardern is now. It was it would have been good for those who were deflated out in the out. In the public to see John Key and just be like remind them of where they can get to and of where the party can get back to. But it did seem a bit of a contrast to what the president Peter Goodfellow was saying. You were making this point before. Yeah so he um, in his speech he sort of um, rather than you know John Key sort of blaming it on the National Party's own own behaviour and say you know we've only got ourselves to blame here Um, and fascinating stat they lost 413,000 voters between 2017 and 2020, and and you could almost argue that they lost all of them in 2020. But yeah, Peter Goodfellow kind of um, you know blamed a biased media, and also talked about um, those 1 p.m. briefings. And we've talked before in this podcast about you know National was effectively locked out for five weeks. Jacinda Ardern had that huge daily audience um, for those briefings, incredibly hard. But you know he was saying this was a form of temporary tyranny. Um, you know, and, and so people are sort of saying, extrapolating that and saying, you know, he's calling Jacinda Ardern a tyrant. Um, you know, and um, he was duly re-elected as president as well, which is interesting given, you know, they hemorrhaged over 400,000 votes, you know, pretty catastrophic campaign. Um, and Jerry Brownlee took his part of responsibility by standing yeah. down as deputy leader. Where's and, the accountability on behalf of the party? And, and he, he ran a line... Um, this is from Richard Harmon's uh, a piece that he wrote after the conference this weekend. Peter Goodfellow was taking the line at the conference that, hey, 
he was the best man at bringing in the money, and they're going to need a lot of money um, if they're going to compete in 2023 against Labor. But yeah, really um, sort of perhaps blaming others, not so much themselves, um, and, and certainly not himself, um, for the um, catastrophic result. More navel-gazing. And interesting there at the end, um, the new MPs were given a chance to, the new MPs who, who are just entering Parliament um, after the election were given a chance to have a bit of a, a kōrero um, to the membership, and apparently there was uh, quite the success there from uh, Christopher Luxon uh, sure. and his, his speech. Had them eating out of the palm of his hand, I heard. Heard, um, which might send a few uh, higher up uh, a little nervous. So we shall keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, very closely. What's what's next? Shall right. we touch Quick, just yeah, quickly so, on um, the... Early last week, the Labour Party had signalled this was coming, but they have um, the next... What is it, market price study or whatever they call them. They've asked the Commerce Commission basically to have an investigation into whether Kiwis are paying a fair price at our supermarkets. Um, or as um, our new Commerce and Consumer Affairs Minister, David Clark, put it, are Kiwis getting a fair suck of the salve? Yeah, best line <laughs> of the week. Yeah. So, uh, Apart prob- from China. Problem is, we have basically two big supermarket chains that control anywhere but depending on who you talk to three quarters to maybe you know even even higher of all the of all the retail outlets you've got um, foodstuffs which owns new world and pack and save and then you've got um, Woolworths New Zealand that used to be called progressives and they run all our countdown supermarkets um, so they're sort of going to investigate whether there's a, um, a lack of competition uh, whether suppliers get treated fairly um, and that's something the food and grocery councils talked to us last week about they said, you know, it's really easy for a supermarket to throw into, I think they call it blacklist, a, a company and say, nah. You know, and, and basically if the supermarkets turn you away when they control so much of the market, that can be a business done and dusted. Um, so they can really, you know, they're coming from a position of incredible power. Um, so they're going to look into that. David Clark also mentioned um, there are issues around the supermarkets land banking as well, so that'll be investigated. And um, uh, Consumer New Zealand, they told us that Kiwis, we pay 30% more for our um, shopping every week than the Aussies do. Yeah. Um, I noticed that I lived in the UK for a couple of years when I was your mm. correspondent, and just the supermarket prices there were just a fraction of what they are here, and for meat and fresh fruit, and you know, like you could just, a supermarket shop wasn't a massive chunk out of your pay each week. It's just great. Yeah. Um, and then coming back to New Zealand. Whereas here it's 17%, that. It's crazy, I think, yeah. Yeah, of, our, of our weekly spend goes in your yeah. supermarket shop. Mm. Um, Cowardly, I thought that no one from those um, supermarkets chains fronted for an interview and just sent statements. Seems silly, yeah. Just, but just weak when you can come out and say, yeah, we're going to cooperate fully. We believe we, we offer the best. Hey, if there's areas we can improve on, we're Especially we're when you're it. in control yeah. of such a large proportion yeah. of the market and there is a government commissioned study happening into you. you and know. this isn't a shock. Chickens. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's probably just, a very large comms team as well that are yeah, dealing yeah, with yeah. it. And our yeah. strategy is to say, no, thanks. So we, you know, as three of Tried us, we can't, yeah, we we'll can't compete against, what, 10 comms people. Yeah. I just hope that something tangible comes out of this um, investigation apart from a report. I hope we really do see some movement because we saw the, you know, um, inquiry into petrol prices and the report was um, out uh, December, so this time, around this time last year. And I feel like I haven't seen any changes at the, at the petrol pump. And still you paying while the study was happening. You still know. paying, you know, huge prices at the petrol mm. pump. So are these investigations really going to create meaningful change? 
what is it, just tie up the Commerce Commission for a year. Um, and, and, yeah, so don't hold your breath for the result. It will take at least a, a year, so sort of December next year or something. Um, Food and Grocery Council, they were hoping that we would follow Australia and bring in a code of conduct um, for our supermarket mm. sort of, um, yeah. So that might be an outcome. Is that it? Is that all we've done? Yeah. 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 It's been quite a big week, though. Yeah, Even and it's, it's, and it's going to start heating up. Parliament will start sitting next week. Two more week, weeks, yeah. A couple and then, of sitting weeks. Then the House rises, and then we've got one more cabinet after that. And then we're on the home stretch on the sleigh down to Christmas. Oh, yeah, Yay. off for our holidays. And the year awesome. that is never ending. <laughs> awesome. Okay, thanks, guys. That was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's available most weeks on One News Online, and you can check us out on your favourite podcasting app.